2: This is the Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're here each and every week for you at the same time talking to the biggest names in sports. I'm Jason Kelly, along with Mike Lynch up in Boston. Today, we're delighted to be speaking with Jim Van Stone. He's the president of business operations, the chief commercial officer of Monumental Sports and Entertainment. And for those who know sports, you know this is one of the central voices, one of the biggest and most influential companies in all of sports. One of the few companies that really owns so much across so many different leagues. We're delighted uh, that Jim is spending some time with us. Jim, uh, I hope you're well, everything going okay. These are obviously unprecedented in times. What's it like down in Washington? And I should say we're we're taping this, uh, to be totally clear, uh, on June 3rd. So Wednesday, you know, the midst of really a, a very difficult week.
3: You know, probably like everyone else uh, across the country, I mean, it's been a very trying time, and, you know, I, I think we've gone through so much, and, you know... uh I, I do love the fact that, you know, everyone is speaking their voice. I think it's really, really important. Uh, you know, hopefully we will be healing very soon in this process. But, you know, it's, it's been challenging, as you see, probably in many, many other markets across the country and everything from that standpoint. But, you know, I, I think we're all hopeful for a brighter future. And, you know, I think getting back to normal in, in time is what we're all looking for. I had a little bit of that yesterday, my uh, oldest graduated high school. So we we had a, a good family experience yesterday, you know, in the midst of, you know, so many different things that we're all experiencing every single day. So, and and I'm hopeful that, you know, before too long sports is back and, you know, gives people a, a, another outlet. So, but it's been a very trying time for, you know, us here in Washington, D.C. And, and I know in many parts of the country. And I think we just send our best to everyone and, you know, uh, hopefully we have you know better outcomes as we all move forward in, in many many different scenarios
4: jib this is mike up in boston um i think everyone has seen the the proof that sports is is kind of a great diversion for everyone with the ratings that the last dance has had with the ratings that the uh golf match with tiger woods mickelson brady and uh, peyton manning had and um you know golf will be starting up but but your main concern right now obviously would be the caps and the and the wizards uh, is the NHL ahead of all the other three major sports in terms of a restart plan, and why?
3: Yeah, you know what, I I, I would say actually, I I think all 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 the three big leagues that were involved in the NBA, the NHL, and the WNBA, I think are all in in the same really good direction. I, I think you know, I think all the leagues are, are hopeful to be back playing. You know, they're they're planning. There's a lot of really, you know. Uh, uh, really influential people at the leagues and everyone is involved. I think the leagues have done a great job in terms of communicating with the teams on the local level, but I think they're all in like a really good situation to get back before too long. And, you know, I, I think, uh, we're very excited about that opportunity. We think, you know, for our market and many other markets around the country, you know, it's going to be a, a really great breath of fresh air to have. You know some of the sports leagues back and operating, and it should be an exciting run. I mean, you know, I think once we're back, and you know, hopefully, you know, baseball's not too far behind that, and you know, the start of the NFL. I mean, it could be a really, really exciting end of the summer and the beginning of the fall. So, but I think all the leagues are are really in that same same uh, situation. I think they're all very close. I, I think the NHL w- was very quick, you know, to announce uh, a week or so ago with Gary and you know, I do think some of the other leagues, you know, with Adam and uh, Kathy Engelbert aren't going to be too far along either.
2: And so let's talk about that a little bit. Why were they able to get there pretty fast? And, and I know you don't have a baseball team, which is probably something you're thanking your lucky stars for right now, given that that is a much more contentious uh, element. Why were the NHL and, and the NBA able to sort of pull it together uh, relatively fast by by all accounts?
3: You know, I, I, I think it was probably a little bit of timing. You know, I I think when you take a look at it, you know, the bulk of our seasons, the regular seasons were completed. I think we we're about to embark on on really what I consider the most exciting time of the year in the spring when, when the NBA and NHL playoffs start. So I, I think there was a lot of, you know, focus on... Hey, what are we going to do to be able to kind of finish out, you know, the the nineteen twenty season? And you know, I, I think you know, hopefully uh, get nineteen twenty behind us and and have a successful playoff run, and then hopefully build for you know the twenty twenty one season. So I, I think the league's had a lot of focus. I, I will say it, it, it's funny when you take a look at all of our you know, uh leagues that we have both in the NBA and the NHL and WNBA. We compete uh, like mad on the court and on the ice. But when it comes to, you know, the business side of it, off the court and off the ice, I think there's a really great brother and sisterhood that everyone really works together, you know, in this process to, to grow the business and grow the game. And, you know, I think getting a lot of people together and everyone sharing the same common interest of, you know, trying our best to get back when it's safe and healthy you know, is really, really important. And I think the leagues have a big responsibility in terms of, you know, just the demeanor of our entire country. I mean, you know, it's a passionate sports, you know, country. And I think we're part of the ethos of, you know, the country. And I think, you know, they felt like they had a responsibility when everything is to be, you know, safe and healthy of trying to get back on the quarter of the ice as quick as possible.
2: Jim, as you think about... The NHL, the NBA, and the WNBA coming back—it feels like the biggest thing is going to be a lack of spectators. Uh, in many way, in many ways, what does that mean for the game in uh, the games, in your estimation?
3: You know, I I think it's going to be a really unique opportunity. I think certainly we all want to play in front of fans. I mean, the, the, the vibe that you have at a live event, I don't think there's anything, you know, like it out there. I mean, you have the opportunity if you're in person to see an event. It could be a Hall of Fame moment. You just never know what's going to happen. So that is something that probably can never be replaced. Uh, but I will say one of the things that I think we're excited about is that, you know, we look at uh, at our businesses and our teams. I mean, there's certainly pillars in the community, but they're also really uh, a big content opportunity. And I think the things that we're going to be able to do from a broadcasting standpoint uh, and, and a variety of different camera angles, trying new things from that standpoint, maybe micing up players, you just never know what it could be. I think we're really going to, you know, hopefully continue to enhance uh, the broadcast opportunity. And that's one of the things I'm excited about is we, 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 we come back and get started again, uh, from that standpoint. I mean, you know, I, I, do think a lot of teams and, you know, even the leagues themselves have really done a very unique, uh, effort, I think, in terms of creating really unique content, uh, both on a social and digital format. And I think that's another opportunity, you know, as we get, you know, back to play that, that really could be something very, very compelling from that standpoint. You know, so I'm excited about, you know, the fact is. That you know, we're going to see probably a, a variety of different broadcasts. We're probably going to see more games broadcast than we would ever have seen before as we get back in, into play. And I think there's going to be a, a unique opportunity. And you know, I mean, our athletes across the board, you know, and whether it's hockey or basketball, are so competitive that I think the spirit of the game, you know, of what you're going to see on the quarter of the ice, is really going to be uh, very well noticed. You know, as players get back into this and. You know, these are the best athletes in the world. So I I think we're all going to see a a compelling finish to the, you know, 1920 season and, and potentially into the playoffs.
4: Jim, if and when fans are allowed back into the building, I've talked to a number of uh, arena executives, and, and there's all kinds of plans being discussed, and I'm sure your group has, 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 has is no different. Um, one of the plans I heard was temperature checks before you come in. Um, so we have social distancing. It's almost like boarding an airplane. Uh, okay, Group A may be admitted now, depending where your seat is. Uh, uh, group B now, uh, those in rows 15 through 21. And then also reconfiguring the seats, uh, like, let's say you have 20, rows, uh, 20 seats in a row, you'd sell seats 1, 7, 12, and 19. Is, is, that, is that a plan that, that's already in motion right now when fans are allowed back in?
3: You know, I, I think we're all doing that, Mike. I mean, we're all kind of focused on that right now. I think, you know, Washington, D.C. is a little bit unique because... You know, we have so many government facilities also around the arena. I mean, we're in a unique situation at at Capital One Arena. We're a mile from the Hill, you know, a mile from the White House. We have all these governmental buildings. So we get a lot of support from, you know, a variety of different, uh, you know, federal groups uh, here in the marketplace. I think all of us are actually looking at our buildings and seeing how to outfit it. The right way. I think we're still going through the evaluation of, you know, what resources we're going to need to be able to do it effectively and, you know, ensure that everyone has a a great and and satisfying experience in along the way. You know, we we continue to maintain, you know, the safety piece of what we need. Uh, I do think one of the things I've been really pleased about is that, you know, I don't think there's one team out there or organization looking to find all the answers. There's a variety of different groups, whether it's at the league level where we're participating and we're sharing best practices or things to look at you know, so we can implement our buildings and, and equip them to, to be the best and, and most safest that they can be. So I, I think we're getting a, a lot of direction. We're doing it as a collaborative industry uh, effort. And I, I think, you know, then you'll see probably, you know, some some, some opportunities are developed. And I, I think it, it's going to be standardized. I, I really do feel that most of uh, the buildings and, and operations will, will be standard. You're certainly going to have different jurisdictions that have different rules and regulations, but I'm hopeful that the operation side of it is all very similar in scope and space. And, you know, the leagues have, you know, Focused on subgroups that are working on back to the arena uh, experience and what that looks like, and and we're also doing it from a from a business operation standpoint in terms of getting our employees back into, you know, our offices and arenas. So you know, there's going to be probably a lot of things that you know might be unique and different, and you know, whether it's in, in the culinary business that we have, whether it's the retail business, whether it's the live events piece. I mean, security. So uh, I don't know if there's been a, a, a full list of what's been. You know, shared with that, we can easily say right now that's best practices. But I think as we get launched, and hopefully by you know a certain point in time, get fans back in the building, I think a lot of that will be uniformed at many arenas across the country.
2: So, Jim, how do you model the economic impact of these changes? Because ultimately, you're running not just a business, you're running a number of businesses here with a whole lot of inputs. You know, we're talking about a shortened season or a shortened rest of the season without any gate. We're talking about additional costs in, in some cases. Uh, the revenue side from a broadcast perspective probably is in flux a, a little bit depending on which of the leagues and, and which of the teams we're talking about. Is this something when you think about it, when you sit down with with Ted Leonsis, the CEO and, and owner, I mean, how do you guys think about this from, from just a – P&L and a a balance sheet uh, perspective?
3: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I mean, and and something that I think continues to evolve on on really a weekly basis. I think, you know, with the situation that we're all facing, I mean, and and we see – there are certainly peaks and valleys. I think we've done a really good audit of our organization. I think the way we are set up, I mean, we look at our ourselves as really an integrated multimedia company. So the teams themselves are, are content for us. You know, we, we have an out-of-home business. We have an OTT network. You know, we're involved in esports. So, you know, we've got a, a very integrated organization as a whole. And I think we continue to do audits in terms of, you know, what the opportunities are. As I mentioned earlier, I think we look at ourselves, as a content business, so you know, certainly the opportunities on on sponsorship and social digital, you know, are going to be very apparent for us. Hopefully, as as we move forward, you know, depending on what the landscape looks like in the short period of time, I mean you know, certainly highly visible signage, you know, is going to be you know an important aspect. I I think, you know, we've really been trying to uh, stay connected to our season ticket holders. I mean, that's the, the, the one area that, you know, is probably a little bit more challenged without the live events. So, you still need to make sure that you're delivering value. I think, you know, there is certainly hurdles that we're facing, you know, in the short period of time, but, you know, I I think it's also creating opportunities, and, you know, I I think we've got an internal back-to-better you know mantra and i think you know once we get back into a normalized business scenario again you know we are want to look at ourselves as, as we always have as being very innovative very first to market and you know an openness to to try new things ted as you know is probably in the landscape of professional sports owners one of the most entrepreneurial yeah you know, business uh, leaders that's out there. And, you know, we are always looking at new things, but the business in a short period of time is certainly, I mean, you know, challenged. And, you know, we've got to think creatively and think outside the box. And, you know, I'll give a lot of credit to, you know, a lot of people that are leading some of our social and digital efforts. Some of the content that we've been able to create uh, in this downtime, ha- has been something that we've never been able to do before, and you know, it's allow us to, I think, build better relationships with our clients. I think build better value uh, from an impression standpoint for a lot of our corporate partners and. You know, I, I think as we get into this, you know, once we get the live events back and then this all this innovation that's happened with, without the actual games happening, I, I think we're poised to really, uh, continue to grow the business at a, a very good rate and at a very good clip. I mean, it's just getting through, you know, this challenging time that we're all dealing with.
4: Jim, uh, you know the old saying: when one door closes, another one opens. Uh, so my question here is: has the door opened for the ascension and the in the explosion of esports uh, with no live sports?
3: Well, I we've always been very early in terms of putting our arms around esports. We're, we we think it's just an incredible opportunity. We were one of the early investors in Team Liquid, which is. Uh, probably one of the most successful, if not the most successful, uh, esports organization uh, in, in the country in the world. So we've been very early adopters too. We believe in the amount of connectivity that it's going to provide. We love the younger audience. You know, it, it's interesting because there's been a lot of debate uh, in in the world of esports about getting you know non traditional you know esports organizations, non academics to. Uh, you know, get involved in in, in the industry. And we've had a ton of success, you know, not only on our NBA 2K team, but also in some of the efforts that we're doing on the hockey side of working with a variety of tech companies to utilize esports as a potential recruiting platform for future engineers, future computer science majors. So we think it's here to stay. Uh, You know, I think we've been very pleased in terms of, you know, the growth of what we're seeing in our NBA 2K League and also the uh, Wizards District Gaming. Our team, from you know a, a participation standpoint, from an engagement standpoint. Uh, our, our sponsorship numbers and, and, and partnerships continue to grow uh, at pretty significant rates on, on an annual basis. So we've been uh, early adopters. Uh, it, it's part of our ethos and who we think uh, we are, and, and we think it's here for the future. And that's where I think one of the things that, you know, we've been very entrepreneurial in our efforts in getting involved in things at an early stage, and I think esports is one of those prime examples.
2: You know, Jim. You know, you mentioned the geography of, of your arena. I've been there many times to see various games. Go Hoyas, um, hoping for you know maybe a little better season and all of that going on. Uh, we'll talk about that offline. But you know, your proximity to exactly what you describe—whether it's the White House, Capitol Hill certainly has been top of mind this week when we think about what's been going on in Washington. But it's also been top of mind because you guys, it feels like, have been pretty forward in supporting your players, supporting your fans. And it feels like a moment that we've been building to, especially when it comes to the NBA. And just talking about the NBA for a second. Uh, you know, We have Michael Jordan, notably apolitical for a long time coming out. NBA players, it feels like, have been more comfortable being vocal. How do you approach that as a company and as an employer and as a partner to these players to both make them feel supported and at the same time be a a part of an ongoing business?
3: You know, I I applaud. We've been very fortunate across the board. I think, you know, our NBA, WNBA players, our NHL players have all been very, very active in the community and, you know, uh, always, you know, want to put their foot forward in terms of making a difference. And, you know, I think that's something that's very fortunate for us as an organization. I mean, whether it's John Wall in terms of some of the things he's done in Ward 8 of our community in terms of. Uh, helping with uh, rental assistance and, and housing. Bradley Beal has been very active in terms of, you know, feeding vulnerable populations. I mean, Garnet Hathaway has worked with EMS and the firefighters in terms of, you know, delivering meals, we've been fortunate across the board, you know, with a lot of our athletes. And, you know, I think what we need to do as an organization, what we will continue to do is is support our athletes. I mean, they all have voices. They all have huge impact in the communities, not only here in Washington, D.C., but I would say across the country and and in many cases, you know, internationally, I think, you know, fortunately with the NBA and the NHL, I mean, those are really two global sports. And, you know, D.C. is very unique. We have 190 embassies we're one of five people are international and foreign born so when you have players that have great position and great ideas and thoughts I mean you know we have a responsibility to amplify their message and you know, they are all truly competitive, you know, in, in their own right. Uh, that's why they're pro athletes and, and there's only a small fraction of people that are able to do that from a professional standpoint, but they're also better citizens and they want to make a difference. And, you know, I think having that, that voice do that in Washington DC will hopefully, uh, be able to move, you know, with, with some of the changes that need to be made. And I, I don't think we've ever been more proud, you know, of our athletes than what we've really been. Uh, over the last three months, I mean, you know, I, I think in mid March when, you know, our, our, our leagues shut down, you know, I think from the very first moment that happened, we've had uh, a tremendous amount of our, our players step up and, and do things that, you know, what weren't really things that we probably ever thought of, but they took the initiative to do it and, and they were passionate about it. And I, I do think they're going to make a difference. And, you know, it, it's, it's great when you look at the core. You know, players that we have, I mean, the Garner Hathaway and Braden Holpe's on, on the Capitol side, very vocal. TJ Oshie, you know, you look at John Wall, Bradley Beal, you know, on, on, on the Wizard side. And then Elena Deladon and Tasha Cloud on the W side, you know, have all been great spokespeople for, you know, things that are are, are critical that need to be addressed
4: and, and, and things that we need to, you know, hopefully uh, get some answers to. Jim I, I know that uh, well, a little bit earlier you said you were keeping in touch with your season ticket holders. How are you keeping uh, uh, all your fans engaged uh, during this uh, period where we've got a finger on the pause button?
3: You know what uh, great question. We've been doing a lot of surveys. Uh, we, we have a, a pretty extensive uh, sales and service organization that you know is reaching out to a lot of our clients. We've been creating unique content for uh our con- cl- uh, clients exclusively for our season ticket holders uh a variety of zoom calls uh you know some going through uh some of the greatest players we've ever had in franchise history so we're tapping into our alumni and you know that's been really really helpful but i, I just think that open dialogue i mean you know we're we're continuing to message to our our fans you know on a consistent basis and you know uh it was an interesting time frame because you know for us uh, we were right past our, our renewal deadline for next season, you know, on the hockey side and, and the Wizards' deadline was still uh, a couple of weeks away. And, you know, I think we've been pleased a, about the engagement and, and, you know, the understanding that our, 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 clients and supporters are, are, are giving us. So, you know, I, I think it's something that we we've been very active on and, you know, the good thing is, uh, you know the feedback that we've been getting has been very very positive so you know i think just continuing the survey you know continuing to stay connected has, has been critical for us and You know, it's something that we're going to continue to do.
2: So, Jim, I just want to wrap up by by asking you about one of those uh, alum uh, who sadly passed away this week. But I think, you know, the celebration of him has been very notable. And, of course, talking about Wes Unseld, this was a guy who embodied so many of the things that that we've been talking about. Just give us a moment, if you can, on on sort of what he meant to to the broader organization, especially as you think about sort of the lineage of of this franchise. I think –
3: one thing to simply say about Wes is he's a legend. I
2: mean, he really, uh, I
3: think is, is, you know, the patriarch of of our organization from from a player standpoint on on the basketball side. And, you know, one of the most amazing things is Wes was just a complete professional in everything that he did. And, you know, he has a legacy of, you know, being a, a player, a coach, a general manager with us. So, I mean, he was part of, you know many uh, different leadership roles within the the Wizards organization. But I think the most important thing about Wes too is I have never ever once ever heard anyone say anything uh, negative about Wes. Wes was someone that just was really built on you know creating relationships and and working with people and truly cared about you know, everyone that he got connected with. And, you know, he met, he, he made the the entry level person that we had, you know, feel as important as, as the highest level, you know, executive that we had. So I, I think, you know, if we can all be like Wes Unsell, I, I think this world will be in a much better place. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he just means so much to us organizationally. And it was a, a very tough day, I, I think, for us as an organization. You know, we send the best to Connie and, and, and their family, you know, on, on his passing. But uh, Wes's legacy will re- remain in in our hearts for a long, long time. And, you know, I think we're fortunate. And, you know, uh, it's just a, a really, really challenging time. But, you know, I think, you know, knowing how much Wes contributed you know, over his life has made us all feel really, really great about Washington, D.C.
2: Well, and it feels important to mention, especially this week, especially given what we've been talking about, given the role of players, of owners and managers in the sports world weighing in on issues of the day and really being important role models and outsized voices when it comes to everything that's going on in the country. And we look forward to talking to you on the other side of all this and uh, catching a game and, uh, you know, maybe the, the world getting to whatever the next normal is going to be. Thanks, guys. And that was our conversation with Jim Van Stone, Monumental Sports and Entertainment President of Business Operations, Chief Commercial Officer, and, you know, Mike I- – felt pretty optimistic you know for a guy whose teams aren 't playing right now,
4: yeah, well, fortunately, they have three teams under their umbrella the caps yeah. uh, the, the WNBA team and the wizards, so they they have a you know three three headed uh, interest in this whole uh, thing right here. what my takeaway from this whole thing is how he spoke about keeping the fans engaged they 've had yeah. a number of zoom opportunities, they send out surveys, they stay connected and we all know that there are some franchises and some sports where the only communication they have with their fans right now is it's time to renew your season tickets for next year. Right. And that sends out the wrong tone. I think you've got to be smart. You've got to have a good uh, marketing and public relations uh, skill and be very sensitive to what's going on and, and to and to all your fans. And to me, that was that was the big takeaway right there.
2: Yeah, my takeaway, it, I I really like that. And, and my other big takeaway was just talking about how they – Need to and do it feels like support their players and it happens to some extent in hockey, but basketball players I think are at the core and the fore uh, of all of this right now. And and we when we think about what's going on in the country and and you and I have talked about this in some of our other broadcasts that that is a it's an important role for them to play. But it's also a balance that these teams and leagues have to strike. It does feel like the NBA has done it generally better. And we could have a long discussion about what happened in China uh, last year. But in general, when it comes to social issues, it feels like Adam Silver and the various owners across the NBA have struck uh, a better balance than most. Would you agree?
4: I agree. And I think of all the four major sports, I think that the uh – the relationship between commissioner and players is strongest in the NBA, stronger yeah. than the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. All right, you've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here with you every week at the same time, plus online wherever you get your podcast. And catch us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Jason Kelly. Find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. I'm Mike
4: Lynch. You can find me at
2: Lynchy W C V B. All right, you're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.